You're listening to What's the Story podcast, brought to you by Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. Go to fitzpatrickcastle.com for more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to WTS Pod. What's the Story podcast? My name is Danny Morty. I'm Graham Merrill Merrigan. Alright. This is WTS 136. Alright. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Are you well? Yeah, a little bit of heartburn actually just now was that hit me. Bulls won the National Cup last Friday. Congratulations to the Ballybrack Bulls, pride of the borough. Absolutely sensational. I was watching it on the YouTube. I couldn't believe that it was on YouTube. We only found out maybe 5 o'clock. Yeah, I was watching it on the YouTube. The two lads on commentary were very good, actually. Yeah, Paul Ryan is one of them. I don't know the other guy, but yeah, yeah, he called it when we got the trophy. He called it um, passing of the guard. Oh. Yeah, because we've never beaten Calista. Yeah. And it was almost like we discovered a way to beat them. Yeah. I haven't played them so many times and their game getting better. And we we were beat. They never got in the lead at all. Yeah, I know. Yeah, For once, 40 yeah. minutes, we beat and, them. And once, uh, and discovering the way to, to beat them, was that you not playing? Possibly. Yep. Possibly. <laughs> Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Uh, no, you're still out injured. I'm still out injured. Yeah. Um, no, no, possibly. Which makes the achievement all the more remarkable, I must <laughs> yeah. say, for the Bulls. Now, in fairness, I, look, I said to Mark, if I was fit, I don't think I would have started. But if yeah. I was fit, and he, he more than likely would have brought me on, I would have shit myself. Would have panicked. Oh, I would have panicked big yeah. time because yeah. it's such a big game, and the fact that it. I love the, being coach. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like being coach. Oh, okay. That's yeah, cool, yeah. Right? I talk about a shite when I'm coach. Even when you're not coaching, you talk shite, Graham. There was a time out with eight seconds left. I know, yeah. And I was just like, lads, I was screaming. I was like, lads, fucking enjoy this eight seconds. That fucking whistle goes, run amok, because you fucking deserve it. We are less than two minutes in, and you have swore more than you have in 135 I'm, episodes. I'm just, I'm just really, I was just really excited. I apologize. Not at all. Um, for cursing. Uh, my uncle Ray hates me when I curse on the podcast, oh, so yeah. I apologise. Must really dislike me. Yeah, money joking, Ray. You? No, but it was. It was. It was, ah, it was unreal. It was a great match, man. And uh, like, I'm raising. I wasn't there. I was too much to do. But like the it was twelve euro in. Was it? Yeah. Just that steep, isn't it? Very steep. Wow. Basketball Ireland. Even with a big sponsor like Hula Hoops. Yeah, it was twelve euro in, so we we kicked off. It's their it's their cup final weekends. Yeah. So we kicked off their weekend of finals. So we were on a half six, and then there was the women's under twenties final on a half eight. Oh, but that twelve euro let you stay for the entire yoke, did it? That twelve euro got you until Saturday afternoon's game. So you would have okay. got three or four. You would have got four or five games. Okay, right. Yeah, well, it's yeah. grand, but your the chances are if you're going to watch wheelchair basketball, I was gonna you're, say, yeah. you're not going to be back. Th- the next day no no. if you're a massive basketball yeah, fan like possibly. maybe um, but yeah no in all honesty, congratulations delighted yeah, for you especially, especially the fact that you speak Calester because I know and the fact that you now have one up on Johnny Fulham yeah great stuff I haven't um, reminded him yet but I will but yeah so Bulls now is that, that well I mean you've won a couple of cups already haven't we've you we've won well, the cups we won previously that we re, re, regained yeah. retained Pretend, yeah. uh, this last season they're memorial cups so yeah. at the end of the season um, the league is split up and the bottom four play for a, a, a trophy the kind of middle four play for a trophy and the top two pay for, play for a trophy right 
or it might be the other way around, the bottom two, the four, you get the point. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's seeded um, within that bracket of four. So we did, we won that cup two years in a row. Okay. This cup now was literally like the FAI Cup. Yeah, it's the All Ireland Cup, basically. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Of uh, wheelchair basketball. So, love it. It's brilliant. And it's only a young club, man. But that's it's only, it's the third time the National Cup has taken place in our league. Yeah. And we've been in two out of three finals, and we're only going three and a half years. Yeah. So we're we're coming on leaps and bounds. Yeah, brilliant. And what like the and the, look, all them played deadly, but Villain and Mark certainly yeah. wasn't on YouTube. The two of them stood out as being unbelievable. Yeah. Like the, I, yeah, uh, Villain was just. She was everywhere. <laughs> she was just unreal. I yeah. told her that was the best match she's ever played. Yeah, it was ridiculous. If you had seen her in the semi final as well, she was yeah. absolutely sensational. She Love she just. She she's like me, my and I and I probably haven't got the better of it as such, but she has got the better of kind of nerves, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it was maybe November or something. We had a game against Cork, and and a lot of us, including myself, shit the bed because we went behind. Yeah. But then after the game, we lost, and we're kind of going, no, you know, who cares? We lost. But ever since that game, she's just been absolutely sensational. Love it. And Jason is unreal. Johnny got MVP. Um, Johnny is sensational as well. Yeah. Jack had a great game, actually. The, the five of them were just... Yeah, in fairness, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, J- like, there was a time where we needed Cam on the court, and Jason was on court captain, and he just he just rallied everyone and said, right, yeah. lads, will you just relax? Yeah. And, and Towards, I think... We got 58-58, I think, at one point. Did it go completely level? I thought they got the two point within oh, two they points. Went completely and level, and then we got uh, with a minute and eleven seconds to go or something. Did Jack get? or never Jack getting one laid on, and that seemed to be like the. Well, I think the, it was Jack and Jason. Jason got the winning basket. Yeah, but I think I can't. I just remember there was one. And it was a great score as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where literally like just down the court, and I think it might have been Mark kind of held the ball up in the corner, and then just found the pass. Mark's and just passing was absolutely unbelievable. Stunning. Yeah. It was, but there was, was another. Just, it was great. I actually match, said to Villain as well, like uh, pr- pr- like pre Christmas, pre November, that game was I mentioned. Similar scenarios, similar positions. Villain got herself in in the last couple of games. Yeah. Previously, I would have been like watching from from the sideline and kind of going, "Ah, oh, she's gonna miss." And yeah. she, she, everything she put up, nailed she scored, it. she nailed. Yeah. She was absolutely brilliant. It was a great game. So they were all brilliant, but um, I think Villain had the best game. She's ever had, to be honest. Yeah. Congratulations, balls. Yeah, and Jason is just J- Jason's just sensational. Yeah. I think it could be the first time husband and wife have won a, a, oh, yeah. a national cup final. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. on the same team, even better again. Yep. Um, double header this week. Double header against yesterday. I was talking about guests. All right. I thought you met the balls. <laughs> we probably should have plugged that in the six hundred. Yeah, yeah, shit doesn't yeah. matter. Oh, well, yeah. Edit um, that. <laughs> Double header this week. It is indeed. Who have you got? First up, Graham. Yes. Two-time world boxing heavyweight champion <gasps> of the world. No way. Oh, yeah. Star of the hit TV show Better Late Than Never. And a man who has fed the world more dinners through his grill than anybody else ever. George Foreman Big George Foreman We are going to grill him We <laughs> This interview is a knockout Yeah 
<laughs> Love it. Oh, Unreal. That's, that's why you listen, lads. Heavy hitting jokes. <laughs> Big George Foreman on WTS Pod. We're joined now with a legend that is Big George Foreman. George, thanks me for joining us this evening. Um, we, I, I want to talk to you first about uh, Better Late Than Never, the hit TV show. Ah, yeah. <laughs> the new TV show. Um, it's been a lot of fun to me, for me, and it really represents better late than never. Yeah. Because you travel all over the country being the heavyweight champ of the world. You visit all these different places. And because I'm in training, I did business, I never saw half the things I've seen there. And I'm glad I did it. Better late than never. <laughs> really, George, what was the experience like on the Japanese TV show? Oh, that was even wonderful, too, because, uh, like I said, I could get loose. I didn't have to put on this facade of being angry and ready to box and stare anybody down. I could actually have fun. So I had a lot of fun doing that <laughs> television show. And it's uh, the, the second season is nearly over now, George. Is it? Is the, it's, we're coming towards the end of season two? That's right. Season two is about ready to come to an end as well. So briefly, yet so rewarding. And I get a chance to see, sit, watch with my family, the shows, and the children laugh. My wife especially loves it. So it's been a great experience for me. You need to get to Ireland for season three, George. <laughs> I would love that because that's the greatest. One thing about Ireland, the people are the greatest uh, 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 factory over there. I mean, the best thing there is the people. Uh, have you ever, Landmark uh, are the people. Have you ever visited Ireland, George? I was in Ireland selling the George Foreman Grill. Oh wow. oh wow! And I got a chance to meet a lot of people. They speak. The people speak with so much heart, and almost everything in, in every sentence has some poetry to it. I love the people. Every country has their worth. You know, the mountains or the sea, but Ireland, the people—that's it. I <laughs> love, love it. it. That's brilliant. Um, and George, it's true. The people are special. One of the things I learned about you, George, from watching Better Late Than Never is, like me, you love ABBA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, you know, and then teaming up with those guys, we are all so different. Yet, for some reason, we gel together, and they understand that I'm 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 very little of uh, for nonsense. But if you want to have a joke, I'll laugh. <laughs> And uh, is it true that you used to warm up to, to Dancing Queen? So when you were getting ready to fight, you know, smoking Joe Frazier. Dancing Queen, <laughs> you're only 17. <laughs> the Apple, you know, for a while, Apple ruled the world. For a while. Just like you, George. Yeah, I mean, they came on the scene and, you know, that was all. My daughter's name is Frida. Can you believe that? Uh, after Abba's Frida. Yeah, uh, yeah. Frida's about the same age as when they came on the scene. So don't. Then if you ask her age, then she'll get upset with me. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't dream of doing that, George. Wouldn't dream of doing that. Yeah. Um, so the 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 TV show has been brilliant, and I'm really enjoying watching it. Meryl's really enjoying it as well. Um, but we, if we can look at some of your boxing stories, or, or talk to you a little bit about kind of the boxing stories too. Um, an amazing career and you had a big 10 year gap in the middle of it can I ask firstly what made you 
do the comeback in in, in the you know, 80s. Even 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 now, a lot of people forget that I'm a full time minister with the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been a preacher for almost 41 years now, and I left boxing for 10 years. And all I did was on the on the street corners preaching, going around to different churches, giving my testimony, and I never intended to come back into boxing. But that this big phenomenon occurred. I got broke. <laughs> I had to come back. <laughs> you got broke, so that's why you came back to boxing, was it, George? Yeah, I really came back. I got broke. I had to come back into boxing. 87, I had my first boxing match. I had been up to 315 pounds. It was a rougher job getting the weight off than it was to box. Wow. And, uh, but I, I plotted my plan and worked my plan and got a title shot. Uh, after three and a half years or so, I was back in the contention. And little did everybody know I'd be champion of the world again. Wow. And you, just if we go back to kind of, uh, I suppose we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the rumble in the jungle. Um, I'm, I was brought up in Muhammad Ali's tapes from my father, and I would have been exposed to rumble in the jungle and the lead up to that fight. How how was the psychology um, on the lead up to that fight and then going to Zaire in the intense heat? Like, did it all play its part in, in, in the actual fight? I think what really the, the major part was that played in that in that fight, I really, I was complacent. I really underestimated Muhammad Ali. I'd not really paid much attention. I paid attention. I knocked Joe Frazier out, who had knocked him down and beat him. And I also beat Ken Norton, who had broken his jaw and beaten him. So I thought, this is going to be easy. But I didn't look at the film. No one ever knocked him out. When that first bell started to ring, all I pursued was a knockout. And nobody knocks Muhammad Ali out. I learned that the hard way. And what happens is, you know, I took him for granted. And uh, he beat me. He flat out whipped me. Do you think, was Ali your toughest opponent, George? Not at all. Not at all. He was the only one that I took lightly. I used to have butterflies and get real nervous before a fight. That was the first fight I had that I would, was didn't have any butterflies. I was not nervous at all. I thought this would go one, maybe two, maybe three rounds. And that's the mistake I made. This guy never gave up. I hit him with some hard shots, knocked him against the rope. He covered up. The third round, I, after the third round, he looked at me and said, I made it. And I thought, <laughs> oh, my God, he made it. He made it. <laughs> Both were shocked. And then I had a fight on my hand because no matter how hard you hit him and how much you hurt him, he would not go toe-to-toe with me. He would not. He just covered up and waited his time. They called it the rope-a-dope, but uh, you, li- you know, I'm the dope. <laughs> were you were you getting frustrated, I'm the George? Dope. Yeah, because I kept beating on him like a dope until I got tired. <laughs> Brilliant. The real, I'm I'm true. I'm the really the dope. And uh, the guy he lasted, and I was tired, of course. And then uh, about the maybe the I think the eighth round, he hit me with the most fast right hand I'd ever. Well, I didn't see it, felt it. <laughs> He, I couldn't understand. The boy had speed in that right hand like no other. And it shocked me, really. And I tried to catch my balance. I hit the canvas. And my trainer told me, stay down. Wait, wait. He would count for me. When he told me to get up, the fight was over. Wow. Unbelievable. And 
if if Ali wasn't your your toughest or hardest opponent, George, who in, in your mind was? Yeah, Muhammad Ali was the smartest man I'd ever got in the ring with. When I'd hit some of the other guys hard, and you know, you kind of disrespect them, they'd all look at me and say, "I'm not going to take this," and they'd hit back. He wouldn't. When I heard him, he'd just look at me and say, no way, and he folded up against the rope. He was the most smart human being, man I'd ever faced in the ring. The, the, the career that you had was incredible, um, both in and outside the ring. Um, we, we'll talk about the grill in a second, but what, what would you say is probably your, your favorite moment inside the ring across all 70-odd fights that you had, George? You know what? I won that Olympic gold medal. I was a 19-year-old boy. I never had a dream come true. Never. And as a matter of fact, I didn't think dreams really came true. And there I was standing on, the, on that platform, listening to the national anthem being played. I thought, I'm going to wake up in a minute. It's going to be a dream. This is not true. Nothing has come second to that moment in the ring. Nothing. Beautiful. Unbelievable. And, and there was actually, just to, to kind of loop back to the TV show, there was a beautiful scene um, in the second season where you got to meet the family of, um, oh, the, the the Soviet boxer's name escapes me. Chipolas, yeah. Chipo- yeah, you got to meet Chipola, his family. Yeah. What, what was that like? Was it, I can imagine, obviously it was very emotional to watch, but, but what was going through your head when you got to meet those guys? And uh, the two of us had been in contact several years back and uh, Chipolas, he had invited me, come to Lithuania. I want you to meet my family and my friends. We're going to sponsor you a trip, George, and we're going to do this. And I kept saying, next year, next year. Then when I got the opportunity to go, I checked with him, and he had passed away. And that broke my heart to see his grandson there, muscles and everything else. I really had a, that was a touching moment for me because, we defined, he defined my whole career, I defined his, and I missed him just by putting it off one year. Yeah. That was a tough moment for me, but I'm glad it happened to meet this family like that. Absolutely. Um, George, can I ask you something about about the, the famous grill? And is, is it true that Hulk Hogan was originally offered it, and then he said no to it, and, and then you took it, and obviously it became the best-selling thing on the planet. Uh, and that's strange, too, because my kids asked me that same question. They said, George, what, was the George Foreman Grill offered to Hawk Hogan? I said, that's an oxymoron. <laughs> 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 it's all about, remember, it's all about George Foreman. <laughs> I had traveled around the country telling everybody I'm coming back to be heavyweight champ of the world. And the reporters joked how can George Foreman uh, be champion of the world when his training camp is next to Burger King and they last? <laughs> and so they, all the burger jokes were on me. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, here's this burger machine that needed to be marketed. And there was no one acquainted with burgers but me. Hulk Hogan had a nice waistline. I didn't. <laughs> so it, this this the George Foreman grill was all about the George Foreman story. No other story could, could compete with that. Beautiful. And, and George, given the Muhammad Ali and, and Mike Tyson had a crossover with professional wrestling, did that opportunity ever come to you at all? You know, I, I had a good boxing career. 
And uh, what happened is I started talking to reporters and telling them that the age 40 is not a death sentence, nor is the age 50. I'm going to be heavyweight champ of the world. And I kept doing it so promoters would use me. And Madison Avenue took notice that George Foreman was selling that he's 40 and 50 is not a death sentence. And so they bought into it. And the next thing you know, I was doing commercials with Doritos, Monarchy, uh, McDonald's, you are Pepsi Cola, Madison Avenue. That is the crossover into Madison Avenue. And I had a lot of success in that area, even to this day, still having some success. And would the idea, George, of crossing over into any other sport or into the entertainment world, like like wrestling, like Hulk Hogan's world, did that ever come to you, or is that something you were ever interested in? I had an opportunity to do the wrestling, but I saw one of those big guys kicked another one and knock, hit his legs and knocked him down. I said, oh, no, not my knees. <laughs> And once I saw that, I said, never, never. I didn't want to hurt you. Uh, you know, I can stand up and fight you pretty good, but if you go for my legs, I'm out of it. <laughs> so I never did try wrestling. And, and George, is, is there any truth that there's going to be one more match, you versus Steven Seagal? That's the match that I really wanted to take. Because Steven Seagal is really competitive in that uh, taekwondo, I think that's what it is. He's a real uh, hand-to-hand comeback guy. And I thought the two of us could go to Las Vegas and we could fill up a lot of seats, do a lot of pay-per-view, but uh, he didn't seem to be interested. But we could do it. He's, he's, he's running scared, is he? I don't know. Maybe he's just too smart. But I told <laughs> him he can use any moves he wanted and I'd stick right with boxing. And Is there beef there, George, at, at all? You know, and I really would like to see it, it happen. And now, you know, but... You know, like I said, he's not interested. No interest. He wasn't. It's a pity. If that happened in Vegas, I think we'd go over for it. We've gone to Vegas for some Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, I, that would be fun. I mean, he can put on whatever equipment he wants. I'll just <laughs> use the typical boxing. <laughs> Brilliant. And, George, before we let you go, um, boxing is, is enjoying a little bit of a purple patch lately. There, there, there seems to be a lot of exciting fights going down. Is there any coming up that you're really looking forward to seeing? Uh, you know, boxing is really, it really got hot with that uh, Conor McGregor fighting uh, Met Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, it wo- it woke up boxing all over the world, and but it, it was a pure boxing match. That's what I'm happy about. It was a boxing match they competed in. Boxing is hot. I'd like to see that McGregor come back and fight another boxer, get him another few rounds on his belt, and beat one so he can really do some good. Really? Do you think everybody else? Do you think he could do damage? Huh? Do you think McGregor could do some some serious damage in the yeah. boxing world? The only problem was the 12 rounds. He really whipped Mayweather. He had him whipped. Mayweather had to turn into an old George Foreman, Joe Frazier fighter to get it. <laughs> he did, ducking his head, all bald head and everything. <laughs> <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't have the stuff to beat him. He couldn't outbox him. He couldn't box him. He had to fight him. And so, and uh, McGregor... 12 rounds, going 12 rounds is like a death sentence. Of any, even the fighters can't do it. But if he had some more experience in 12 rounds, he could beat a great fighter. Would you be open to, to doing a training session, giving Connor some advice for boxing? Oh, surely I would. Surely. 
McGregor, all he needed was George Foreman in his corner to tell him, hold up, hold up, hold up. Don't go for the rope dope Let him rest a little bit. <laughs> well, brilliant. Well, That's high praise, of, of, of very much so. Absolutely. He beat Mayweather. The first few rounds, Mayweather couldn't do anything with him. I'm amazed at that. I am amazed. To this day, I'm still amazed. Mayweather had to turn into Joe Frazier, George Foreman to beat him. Amazing. George, just going back to your, your ministry, um, how, are t- how are things with that? How is how's the public in, in America at the moment, in, in Houston? Everything is fine. I'm, I'm a preacher. I'm in the church about three times a week. I'm the main speaker, and I'm the best Sunday school teacher you'll ever meet. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't Sometimes do it. I tell people, now, can I get an amen? Everybody says, amen, amen, amen. <laughs> if you told me to say amen, I would, George. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, guys. I'm going to have to run now. I sure appreciate you. Not Thanks so much George. for your time, George. Thank you for your time. And listen, uh, if, you, if, you're ever, if you ever do make it to Ireland, look us up and we'll treat you. We'll, we'll show you Dublin. Season three, George. Get them to Ireland. <laughs> All right. God bless. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, George. Man, George Foreman. Amazing. Unbelievable. Never thought I'd ever speak we just, to it. We just head straight into the second one. Uh, yeah. Uh, we might as well just retire. Up next, we're going to be joined by Severe MMA's Sean Sheehan. Uh, host of the Sphere MMA podcast and writer for Severe MMA and he also does stuff for Share Dog and all those other websites um, one of Ireland's finest MMA predictors and all round good guy um, we recorded this one through Skype with uh, Meryl on Skype and Sean on Skype so the audio, audio was a little bit patchy at times so, so I do apologise for that but uh, it's worth sticking with it's a good interview Sean's a great guy so be sure to check out Severe MMA pod but that's up next Sean Sheen. Alright, through the magic of Skype, I'm in my kitchen, so Meryl's not with me, Meryl's on Skype, and also joining us via Skype is the man behind the Severe MMA podcast and one of the finest MMA pickums out there. I believe, have I used the right terminology there actually, Sean, have I? I take it, I don't think the, the word finest is applicable <laughs> to me anymore, not great these days, but I'll take, I'll take pick'ems, yeah, pick'ems, I do pick'ems anyway, so. Sean yeah. Sheehan of, of the beautiful wall city of Limerick, how are you, man? I'm not too bad now, I can't complain, thanks for having me on, lads, it's, uh, it's nice uh, It's nice to get on one of the best podcasts in Ireland as well, so it's like a melding of two of the best podcasts in Ireland coming together, so it's always nice. It is. It Love is. I, it. I, I, I am nursing myself as we speak right now, lads, so, you know. Um, it's a pity it's, it's just in the sheer excitement of two beautiful podcasts coming together and a sort of audio <laughs> pornogram audio porn audio porn straight into your ears <laughs> Sean we'll, we'll jump in right because uh, one of the I suppose the stories this week was um, the headline fight that wouldn't be a headline fight anywhere else ever but it's uh, Verdun versus Volkov what's, what's your making Volkov. of it? Volkov, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 a weird one, like because they've obviously been struggling. It's it's going to be the headliner of UFC London. They've obviously been struggling badly to get a headliner. Uh, there was talks of Michael Bisping versus Rashad Evans, and I think most people were kind of a bit cold on that because 
we've seen that fight before, and I can't even remember what happened in that fight. I, if I watched a bit of it now, I probably would, but it was it was a kind of forgettable one. Nobody wants to see it again. Uh, and like I think people do over in England, you know, in, in London, they want to see either Bisping or Darren Till on the on you know headline in that card. Then John Kavanagh had come out and you know said as well about Darren Till could be fighting his fighter Gunnar Nelson, obviously. And that kind of whetted people's appetite. They wanted to see that fight. I think a lot of people want to see that fight. And then neither of those happened. And there was talks of Jimmy Manoa versus Jan Blakovic, another rematch nobody cares about headlining. And now you've uh, Verdum against uh, against Volkov. Like I, I suppose it is two top ten heavyweights. And I'm, you know, on most cards, if you were to put this into it, you'd say fine, no bother. But when it's a headliner in London, as well, like I, I think people kind of tend to forget. Okay, this is a, a European card and, uh, and stuff, I suppose. But like it's London; it's one of the you know one of the biggest media cities in the world, one of the most popular cities in the world. And you're putting Verdum against Volkov in it. Uh, I don't know; it's, it just feels a bit bad. Like it made me think today about that time in Dublin when Stipe was supposed to fight Ben Rotwell. And and that kind of fell off, and I think that's probably a better fight than this one is even. Yeah. People were kind of humming and hawing about it, saying, ah, "I don't mind, you know." We still have Joe Duffy was still on it at that time, and Paddy Hoolan and all. And I was like, <laughs> "Geez, that that was a fight I wanted to see more than anyone." Like as, as a you know, as a kind of MMA fan, but most people. Most people aren't hardcore MMA fans. Most people are kind of going to see their local guy get behind them or whatever. And I think that would have been the case in London as well. And that that doesn't fit the big fight bill, uh, Verdum against Volkov, and it doesn't fit the local guy bill either in the in the headliner. So that's I don't know. It's just a bit of a disappointment, Ari. But it's better than I suppose what we were thinking of getting last week. It feels like the matchmaking in, in UFC has just gone a bit shit since the takeover. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, it's, it's it's a bit weird. I think there's some good matchmaking, and and then you have heavyweight, <laughs> and it's <laughs> there's, like there's such a lack of talent at heavyweight. Like I look at the rankings here, you've Stipe Ngano, Overeem, Verdum, Velasquez, and then you've okay, Mark Hunt is a good fighter, but then you've Derek Lewis, Volkov, Tybura, Blades, Struve. Like nobody wants to see any of those lads fighting at this stage. Like, yeah, they're all yeah. good, talented fighters, but there's not an excite there. Like, and there's there's three or four divisions like that now in the UFC. You know, a lot of the flyweights, apart from Demetrius, you've no interest in seeing him. You know, and a, a couple of the women's divisions as well are very low in quality. But, I, like, I, I think we get carried away sometimes in the bad matchmaking. You know, in lightweight we've great matchmaking. You know, we've we've Gaethje and Poirier, and you know, in welterweight we've Matt Brown against Carlos Condit. So there's a lot of good stuff as well. I just think there's so many bad fights, or sorry, so many cards and so many fights in general that there's definitely going to be bad fights, and there's so many fight cards as well that you can't have. There isn't enough headliners to fill them all out. You can't have great headliners all the time. It's just not possible. You know, it might be possible for half the cards they're putting on, but the amount of cards they're putting on out, there's not a hope you can keep putting really good headliners people want to see in in the headlining spot. Are they are, are, are they shooting themselves in the foot though by then having these super cards with three title fights on it, and then that effectively holds up three champions from headlining cards then for you know at least two months in most cases. So you're seeing all these See, brilliant, amazing cards. That, well, not all these. You're seeing maybe three sort of super cards in a year and then a lot of watered-down, you know, substandard kind of, eh, it'll do cards. Yeah, the thing is, it's all about overhead with the UFC and it's all about making money, obviously. And if if you put three title fights in one card and you 
promote the hell out of it, put put a million quid into into promoting it maybe or something like that you might get more, more buys and you you've seen in the past you will get more buys with better cards like that and you could do that all for one card then you leave the three or four cards alone they're still going to get that base like if you if you put say Demetrius Johnson's next title fight you put the heavyweight title fight with uh, Stipe and Cormier and you put another title fight whoever it may be you know you might get you know, you if you does very well, you might get six, seven hundred thousand buys. Like if you do Cormier or, or a, a steep F fight, maybe not together, but a part on a card. If you do a D fight, fighting a card, or whatever, you you're still getting maybe you know hundred thousand buys, two hundred thousand buys. You're not, it's not raising it that much by putting them on individual cards. Like you could, you could just put, I don't know, you know, any any title, pick pick title and put in the card. It's it's not that much better with a Woodley or with, you know, most of these champions apart from the likes of McGregor and GSP and stuff. So the fact that they put them all together, you can raise one pay-per-view and make it really high while actually not affecting the other ones because people, the base will always buy them anyway. And they're not going to, it's not going to change. You're not going to have that many people buying them for a Woodley or for a Steve or for a Cormier because they're not draws. So, you know, I think that's their, their strategy. And I actually think it's, it's intelligent enough to do it that way. You know, it hurts the other cards in terms of, you know, the quality in terms of us having to stay up till seven o'clock in the morning and watch them. But, you know, for the bottom line, I actually think it's, it's more intelligent. Is the best thing about heavyweight MMA at the moment, the Bellator Grand Prix? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Most people wouldn't know. I'm, I'm like MMA. I think if you're an MMA fan, you have to love fun and you have to love chaos because you'll get too bogged down all the time and the things that go wrong and the things that aren't like sporting. Like, you know, this is, this isn't the premier league where you, you have 38 games a season and you know, the winner is crowned at the end of it. This is a thing where you could have two games and then you could get a title shot and you could be the best in the world. You know, that that's the kind of sport MMA is. It's crazy. And the Bellator heavyweight tournament is really crazy. You know, you middleweight <laughs> fighting light heavyweights at a heavyweight. You know, you've Fedor, who should be probably longer tired fighting Frank Mir. You know, you've King Mo coming in there. You've Czech Congo, who's in a who's in a kind of a preliminary thing. He was a uh, who could come in. He's another, and he's probably going to win it. Like we all know, we all well, we saw what happened to Daniel Cormier and Strikeforce. So yeah, I, I I love it. Uh, it's just a bit we can't see it in Ireland. Mero, what's your thoughts as, on it? As you said it. No, I was going to say, as, with all those names that are mentioned, like has you said it ruined UFC's matchmaking? Um, I don't think it's ruined it that much. Like it's apart from taking out John Jones, I, I think. But you, you know, you said it is. We see, we see, we heard with um, Joe Duffy. Joe Duffy said that he said with the UFC because of uh, how clean it is, but like I'd have to question the lads that have left UFC for Bellator because I'm I'm right in saying that you said it don't test the Bellator fighters. No, they don't. Yeah, they just have the the commission testing on the night. Yeah, um, which but, yeah. which I mean isn't that really strict? I don't think. No, yeah, it's more of an IQ test, Nanny. But <laughs> I, I don't think anyone is. I don't think anyone is leaving. I think most people really? are leaving for money. No, they're all, I think they're all leaving for money. Like Rory McDonald would still be in the UFC if they had offered him more money. I think the same for Vincent Henderson and other guys. I don't. Nobody sticks out to me. You know, there's we. It, it, you can't really be accusing anyone or anything. But uh, no. There, 
<laughs> well, maybe jail, okay. <laughs> he's, he's the one you kind of can't kill. But yeah, yeah, most of them, I think, uh, yeah, maybe maybe jail in fairness. But yeah, you, uh, I don't think most of them that have gone over, like the likes of Phil Davis, the likes of, you know, uh, Matt Mitrion, they all talked about money and were those kind of guys and wanted more money. And I, I think that's it more than anything. But you know, These you, are all household MMA names, like, and UFC are just losing them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think they're that, that that bothered to be honest. I think most of the guys they thought, you know, they haven't reached their potential are going to reach uh, a title, and they, they kind of think we've we've plenty of people to replace him now. You know, but the, with the likes of Bader, especially, I think he was kind of coming towards the title shot, and he could have got one. But I don't think they ever thought, you know, he'd lost to John Jones. Obviously, he doesn't really match up that great with Daniel Cormier. Maybe they they thought he was never going to get there and stuff. But the, the UFC just they didn't seem to care. There's also as well we get about it because it's been going on so long. They have this lawsuit going on with the the whole antitrust thing where you know they're talking about the UFC being a monopoly and everything, and them dropping a few fighters and Bellator picking them up. Like you can argue Rory McDonald is the best uh, lightweight or uh, welterweight in the world. Sorry, they're like it's an easy thing for them to argue. Oh, we wanted to sign Rory back, but Bellator got him off us. They offered him more money. You know how can we be a monopoly? So that that's definitely something that plays into it as well but uh, yeah it's they don't seem too bothered anyway about losing these guys when when do they come back to Dublin Sean uh, I'd say it'll be 2019 it depends you know you need a few more Irish guys in the UFC I think uh, it looks like Richie well Richie Smullen is in the tough house now hopefully he'll get into the UFC you know there's a, there's a few more lads coming up the likes I don't think Will Flurry will be too far away he's after signing with Brave you know you've did and a few more guys. I'd say Paul Redmond could get back into the UFC with with a few more wins. There's a, there's a lot of guys kind of hanging around. And Norman Park has been doing not too bad recently as well. He might get back in. It, you need a few more of those guys, I think, to get back uh, to get into the UFC for them to bring care. You know, who have we at the moment? We've Artem, uh, Joseph Duffy. Is, is there anyone else? I, I I think that's I think that's it at the moment. And no, Gunner, as well as well, yeah. But it's 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 hard to get the UFC back when you maybe don't have a headliner or something. Maybe maybe Duffy could headline. You know, I always thought Duffy versus Pettis would be a good headliner for a card over here. But I I think that it needs the next wave to come through. This is a big time. I I wrote an article about it there for for Shardog a couple of months back. It's a big for Irish MMA now, and you know the likes of Dylan Chuk and the likes of Reese McKee and those guys. They need to come through. They need to, you know, they need to kind of prove themselves to be the next band of Irish MMA fighters coming through. And you know, they kind of need to drag the UFC back to Ireland as well, like McGregor did. With the just just jumping back towards the kind of uh, the matchmaking and the kind of the age of the super fights that aren't so super. Um, Cormier Stipe. How do you see that one going? It's a difficult one for me to be honest. I, I have to do a lot more, um, a lot more looking into it, I suppose, before I, I pick a winner. But I think it's it's an interesting matchup because they're both good at everything, to be honest. And and that's the type of MMA fight I love to see, like uh, like TJ Dillashaw against Cody Garbrandt when that was coming up. I was yeah. salivating went that one. I, this one is similar. Like Stipe is a very good wrestler, but Cormier definitely has the advantage in the wrestling. No doubt about it. Cormier is a very good striker, but I think Stipe has the advantage in the striking as well. You know, we saw Cormier knocked out by John Jones. If Stipe hits him hard, could he knock him out? I think he probably could, but you know, I don't have any strong feelings on it at the moment. I need to watch a lot of tape and stuff, but my 
my initial kind of feeling with uh, which I, I, I could change, so don't hold me to it. But I think Cormier's wrestling will, might be just too much. I think he'll, he will be able to push him up against the cage and, and beat him that way. Uh, but you know, it's it's going to be tough to do that to see. You know, he's going to be he's not going to be that much bigger than him because people kind of forget that Cormier was a heavyweight all the time, but he's a little he's going to be a little bit bigger than him. And he's going to be, you know, Steve is a really, really strong guy. And he's going to be working on that aspect of his game a lot. So I think it's going to be a, it's going to be a slog. I, th- I really think that. I think it's going to be a technical war for five rounds. Do you think it's a good fight? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a really good. Like it might. It's not going to be a. I was talking about it on the podcast last week with, with Graham. You know, it's not going to be uh, Diego Sanchez, Gilbert Melendez type of fight. It's not yeah. going to be that. Like. It's it's going to be it's going to be a bit like Jones and Carmier, you know. They weren't, you know, the, the first one is uh, especially the second one. He did knock out obviously, but the first one, you know, it's it wasn't. It's not going to win any fight in years, I don't think. But it's slog, hard, you know, just fighting for every punch, fighting every every little I think it's going to be like that. And I really love those sorts when they're high quality. You know, you know, low quality fights like that as well. They drag on for 15 minutes and. You know, you wish you could watch anything, watch anything else, but I think this is from from someone like me and you who've been watching this fight, uh, fighting for years and years and years. I think it's going to be really enjoyable. How do you see the like? I know that there's a card this Saturday, but this goes out after that card, so there's no point in talking about that. But the um, the the next one then is UFC two twenty one, and that's the Australian card that it is uh, i'm struggling to think of anything good to say about it to be honest with you um like is this a classic case of you know the main event fell and they're kind of just stuck with having to go ahead with it and hoping for the best that's exactly it you know we were talking about the ufc guard in dublin earlier on you know when duffy and uh and paria fell out of it and you know you and all you know great respect to paddy hoolan but him again the smoke at the time you know it just wasn't it this is the same you know they, they saved it a little bit by having Romero versus Rockhold but as I, as I was talking about with uh, London earlier on you know they don't have that Australian in in the you know in the main event here over in part you know I, I, Rockhold has fought in Australia I believe a couple of times so maybe that will save him a little bit and it's a very good fight and you have Mark Hunt in the Coleman main event so there's that but you look down through the rest of that card and it's, it's just not great. You know, you have some good prospects. I, I think Tui Vass is on it and Tyson Pedro and, and Jake Matthews. But, you know, after that, you know, it's it's really, really a poor card. And, you know, I suppose Australia in one way, they're kind of lucky because at least they're getting, like, they're, they're getting Mark Hunt and they're getting Romero and Rockhold, hmm. which is a, which could be a very good fight. So there is that. But for a pay-per-view card, you know, a numbered card, this is, you know, it is very, very poor. And it has a dreaded interim belt on the line. Yeah, yeah. I'm sick it, of those jokes. It, it, this is an interim interim belt, really, because uh, <laughs> yeah. Robert Whitaker had, had just been made champion after being made interim after being interim champion. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, with GSP uh, vacating his belt, so uh, yeah, this was this was a weird one. They had to put it as as a belt because they kind of need a belt in the in the top of a pay per view card now, but. It's a good fight and everything like that, uh, but yeah, this when these interim belts happen like this, like it happened in Featherweight when um, you know, when Pettis and Holloway fought for an interim belt, Jose Aldo had been made the, uh, the uh, full champion after. I think I have that timeline right. I probably don't. This is another thing like that. It's just very weird. It's, really bad. it's just it's just completely saturated. Like they don't need to do it. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been that way now for years. We're kind of just getting used to it at this stage. You know, there's so many just mech cards now. It's, and it's, but, do you, it's, but do you think that's the reason why the, the viewers are down? It, yeah. But, the, like, overall viewers are up. And that's all they care about, you know, because... They've, they've signed yeah. this. Deal. They've signed this deal with Fox, and Fox want a certain amount of cards, and they can provide them with that, you know. And it's all like TV these days. It's all about live programming because, like, if you watch, I'm watching Black Mirror at the moment. Like, I'm not going to Channel Four or Netflix or wherever ever it's on, and you know, watching it at eight o'clock on a Thursday. I'm going to watch it, you know, uh, you know, at three o'clock in the morning when I'm fucking lying in bed or whatever. Like, but if you're <laughs> watching the, the UFC and you're in America. Like it's UFC's on at eight o'clock, so I'm going to be watching UFC at eight o'clock, or I'm, or else I'm not going to be able to watch it because I'm going to go on Twitter and I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get spoilers or whatever. So like live soccer, live UFC, live American football, whatever you're, they're they're the big commodities that people want. And, you know, UFC yeah. produces more content than most places, so they they love it. Yeah, we're in the age Did, of we, on demand, we, so everything that's live, yeah. uh, and and like you know. The, the result basically if you find out the result it's going to be ruined for you whereas TV shows you don't really care so much you'll just watch them on Netflix and binge watch live events yeah you're 100% right man that's that's where it's at like yeah exactly Sean what with the when KSW was in Dublin there I thought now the presentation of it was just absolutely amazing um, do you think can we see we've never seen it before but do you think UFC should kind of just move the times and try and be a bit more glamorous with their presentations. I think they tried it for UFC 200, and they tried it for the McGregor card against uh, who did it turned out to be Chad Mendes, wasn't Chad it? The one yes. Yes. and stuff, and it didn't really work for them. And I think maybe if that had worked, it, it would have gone. They would have kept up with it. But I think the UFC is very much set. You know, they're set in what they do. You know, you, we see the WWE is the same. Uh, they kind of, you know, they have Monday Night Raw and the graphics are the same from Monday Night Raw. They might change them every, you know, every three years or something. But... They, actually, they actually changed them this past week. <laughs> oh, did they? Oh, there, there you go. So, but, yeah, been a, when was the last time they changed them? So, you know, Red and white, yeah, no. It's been a long time, you know. And it, like it, a lot of that as well is the bottom line. It's expense, you know. KSW, how many shows that I have? Maybe like five or six big shows a year, maybe a little bit more than that. But um, the UFC have fought 40 shows a year. They're, you know, they're, it's kind of hard to do. Maybe do it for big ones again. You know, if McGregor comes back or something like that, or if Brock Lesnar was to come back, maybe. But I don't think they're going to do it. They don't need to do it, really. You know, KSW do it because they're different. And, you know, we were both at that show. It was, it was unreal to watch it. Like, it was a way... Like, I'd rather <laughs> go to like show than any other show, to be honest. It, it was absolutely brilliant. If, like, if you're a fan and you want to buy a ticket to go to a show, definitely go to a KSW show because it was really, really good. You know, but... It was mad being at a show other than the UFC um, in the point and the arena being full. Yeah. And uh, uh, like the screens, and then the, the the fighters on the main card being presented on a scaffolding. It was just unbelievable. I was like, "What the fuck is going on here?" Yeah. I was, I was, I was, yeah, I was in amazement for the whole. Uh, obviously, you know, you were sitting right by me. That was the second card you were sitting alongside me, weren't it? Wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like we were just sitting there, and we were pretty close to all the action. And we're like, I, I was kind of just like, what the, <laughs> what is going on here? You know, it's, it's insane stuff altogether. Like, because, you know, obviously we've covered UFCs before and uh, Pelotor and, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, Cage Warriors and Bama and all those cards. And like, they're all kind of, you know, you sit there and you watch the fights and you kind of go home and, you know, it's great or whatever. 
was nuts it was. It was, it was just, you know, excitement after excitement, to be honest. And the, the fact as well, it was like, good 95% Polish people in there. And it was just kind of a weird, a weird feeling because they were chanting these things. And like, there's, there's 8,000 people behind you chanting something in the middle of Ireland. I have no idea what they're saying, you know. It was just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally like an arena yeah. in Poland had been taken and put in the middle of Dublin. It was... <laughs> <laughs> It was exactly like that. It was, and I remember, I remember uh, Norman Park was fighting, and four of his buddies uh, were they were maybe six rows behind us up in the stand, and um, they were giving it socks, and they were, "Come on, Norman! Come on, Norman!" And then all I seen was maybe two or three bodybuilding type Polish guys storm down and box the head off them. Yeah, <laughs> so the riot squad was called in and everything in that night. It was like. <laughs> Going out after that event was, I was like, oh, lads, we'll give it 20 minutes here. We, we'll stay and we let the crowd go. I was actually like, keep my head down, like, get over to the car park quick, let's get out of here. It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was mad, all right. Sean, do you think we see Connor Fleet this year, Sean? Uh, I do, yeah. I think, I think he probably will fight. Um, I, it's hard to know where. Like, this, this whole Fly Mayweather thing that's happening this week. They're trying to do something, but whether it happens or not, I don't know. I find it very hard to see. We all hope everyone hope it doesn't. Yeah, it's very hard to see Floyd fighting in MMA. Um, <laughs> and, and nobody wants to see him fighting boxing again. But oh uh, god, I just, I, I really don't know. I, like, I hope McGregor comes back and fights, has an MMA fight. You know, I if he comes back and fights GSP. Because you know GSP dropped his belt, McGregor could be dropping his belt as well, um, and that, that seems like a sensible fight to make when you're when everything we've already talked about is guessing all about them wanting to make money and their bottom line. Um, you know you've an ATS fight as well. You've obviously Tony Ferguson, Harbib Nurmagomedov. There's lots of great fights for him, and I, I like I think he's. he's a fellow who doesn't want to be idle for too long and you know it's all well and good putting up pictures of private jets on your Instagram and stuff like but you know I think he'll get sick of that soon enough and he'll want to get back in, in the cage Oh, I want that Khabib fight lads I want that to happen I want I want all the fights that Sean listed off I want them all um, Sean uh, speaking we were speaking of WWE uh, there briefly um, Ronda Rousey uh, full time is making the transition full time to WWE what the hell? Unbelievable. Mm, yeah, I think it's fair play to her. Like, I think her her MMA career kind of came to a standstill. You know, she's... I hate to say the words shown up, but she really has been. You know, she's been overtaken as a fighter. She never made the improvements that she needed, you know. And she was really the first great athlete in women's MMA that, you know, well, apart from Chris Cyborg, maybe, that... that you know, just took people apart and, and and was beating them, and you know she'll never be forgotten for that. And I think, you know, people are a little bit unfair to Ronda because of those last two fights. You know, fair enough if you want to make the, the you know the claims about her not doing media and taking the losses badly and stuff, but her her actual career was was brilliant, and and I think she should be applauded for that. But moving on, uh, moving on to WWE, I think is a good option for her. I don't think the acting is going to work either. She doesn't seem to be a particularly good actress. Uh, her, you know, she could she could become a great MMA fighter again, you know, if she had the want and desire to do it. But I don't think she does. This is kind of her mo, you know. Um, she was she was in the Olympics, you know. I think she was twenty or twenty one or something like that. Got a bronze medal and then gave up judo, you know, and at twenty one. 
uh, or, or something like that, you know, and then she went to MMA, you know, she took a couple of losses there after, what, four or five years, and she gave up that as well, and now she's moving on. And I, I, she's that sort of person, I think. I, I think she's she's in it as long as she's winning, and when she doesn't win, she's out. And maybe the WWE is a good place for her because you can't win or lose. Um, so I, I think it, it remains to be seen whether she does well or not there. You know, I'm... I'm I watched. Uh, I'm a big enough WWE fan as well, and I'm interested. What do you mean? You, what do you mean you don't win or lose? Like you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I actually, it's funny. I watched the Bret Hart's um, wrestling with shadows documentary today. Unbelievable like documentary. A, Unbelievable yeah. documentary. Even a bit of kayfabe here, you know. As well, <laughs> so I'm trying to tell you too much, but yeah, it's you know, you know, it's weird though because I've heard a few people saying that, like, what if Ronda is told to lose? Will, how well will she take that? You know, the, the, these uh, WWE superstars don't have creative control really anymore. Maybe she does now. I, I don't know, but I don't think she does. So she's told well, to she, lose. Maybe she, she knows this. She knows the score, though. She knows yeah. she's been a fan since she's a child. She, she, like, you could see how happy she was just to show yeah. up at that arena the other night. Like that could be a problem as well because you know it's it's grand being a fan, but these people are professionals. You know, I think people underestimate professional wrestling as well and what it takes to actually do it and how how much of a knack you actually have to do. You know, we see people trying to do it all the time and people who've dedicated yeah. their lives to it and are absolutely terrible at it. There's very few great pro wrestlers in the world right now. And if, well, I, I think what's going to happen with her is that it's going to kind of be like Kurt Angle. Take making the transition. I know it was amateur wrestling, um, and it was probably easier. But I'm hoping that she makes the same kind of transition. And by all accounts, from reviews and the by people there in the WWE Performance Center, they're saying that she's taken to it quite well. Yeah, look, I think they need to give her a kind of a Brock Lesnar Goldberg sort of thing yeah, initially. Anyway, they yep. need. Yep. You know, yep. Ronda Rousey. What's Ronda Rousey known for? She's known for Instagram video fights. You know, get, put her in there. And have her beat someone in 10 seconds and 14 seconds and do that for a year. You know, keep doing it. Do it this WrestleMania and do it up until next WrestleMania. And then maybe have her beat in the next WrestleMania by someone, you know, someone big or something. And then build again till the WrestleMania after that with her. I think that's what they kind of need to do with Ronda. And, you know, she can keep yeah. learning and maybe, you know, it's, it's going to take a long time. You know, Kurt Angle wasn't there either when he came in. You know, nobody is. But uh, it's going to take a long time until she becomes a, a great wrestler. But I think, she, you know, she doesn't need to be a great wrestler to to be a great wrestler, if you know what I mean. You know, she can yeah, have yeah. a very good nah. career to, with, with just, you know, just squashing people in 10 seconds. Ronda, the way they should book Ronda, I think, I'm, I'm agreeing with you with the, the squash. Like, I think literally just bell rings, she judo throws them, armbar, they tap out, and just rinse and repeat, and rinse and repeat, and rinse and repeat, until literally people are saying, I'm, I'm sick of this now, all right? I'm sick of it. And then give her a bit of a longer match. You know, the same way they did with Bill Goldberg, as you said. But to not use the, the judo background or, or anything like that would be criminal if if they don't. Because like the, you play off the whole natural uh, athlete angle. The same way they did with Kurt Angle, like you were saying, Mero. I just think they have to yeah, set do it you up. Think, do you think, she, do you think uh, they put her with Paul Heyman? I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest. I was listening to Dave Meltzer talking about it, and he thinks it'd be a great idea. I think it'd be a great idea as well, but the WWE doesn't seem to really take up great ideas these yeah. days. You know, it's a, <laughs> it's a constant criticism of him. Uh, Heyman has said that he'll only work with Brock Lesnar, but I think he'd probably make an exception for um, for Ronda Rousey. It's interesting because there's so many unknowns. Like, we, we just talked about there inside the ring how good is her wrestling going to be we, we don't really know but there's ways around that you know outside the ring is she going to be a great talk we don't really know but using him and his way around that so like if I'm not sure if you can do both though you can have her not talking 
and not really resting. But I'm back on a work. You know, I'm not. I'm not so I can at least one of our I'm not convinced yeah. that, that she's going to be able to cut a decent promo at all. I, I know you said about her acting, and I'll pull you up on that. I thought she was brilliant in that Fast and the Furious film. She wasn't stiff at all. Um, but the, is the, that a joke? It is, yeah. It's a poor joke, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> how, how bad was she in that? Come on, man. No, yeah, she was absolutely dire. Yeah, um, she actually wasn't that bad in The Expendables, the one that I saw. She wasn't that bad in that, but yeah, the Fast and Furious one was... was dot, but she's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, but it's not about that all the time, Graham. For God's sake, you're spoken for now. You need to be careful. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm not convinced she'd be able to cut a promo. I'm not convinced of that at all. Yeah, very few of them yeah, can. It, you know, it's all scripted now as well. You know, and you, it's who who cuts a great promo in the, in the WWE at the moment? Kevin Owens, I think, is a master of it. The Miz is great. John Cena is good. Like, well, you know, AJ Styles is a tremendous wrestler, but I would not promo, but not. Yeah, not Miz. You called out Miz. Miz is probably the best, and he's a good. Like, he's brilliant at the heel character as well like his heel stuff is just deadly like That's why I think uh, I think Finn Balor as a heel is going to cut brilliant promos yeah hopefully he needs he needs a kick in like as well a kick into into gear I, I think he's brilliant like him and AJ Styles are two best wrestlers I think in WWE and it, like it's a, I, I just I, I can't believe they haven't made him into a star and I think it might have been the injury you know obviously he won the universal title and was injured the same day and yeah. you know a lot of people say Vince McMahon when someone gets an injury they don't you know they he just kind of cuts ties with him a little bit and maybe that's still playing with him a little bit but hopefully you know he lost to John Cena clean in the middle of the ring the other day lost to Seth Rollins what a week or two before it, you know they're kind of burying him a little bit hopefully they have something good for him at Wrestlemania hopefully this is leading somewhere but you know I think well I was hoping he's going to win the I was hoping he's going to win the Rumble pick the face to face Brock and then the the bullet or the Balor, the Balor Club turn heel at Mania and do Brock that would have been brilliant yeah, but you know, he might win. Oh no, he's not in elim- elimination chamber, no. So I can't win it. But oh, yeah, I I don't know. I really don't know what they're going to do with him. Hopefully, they'll bring in Kenny Omega. Six man tag, um, Ballad yeah. the Ballad Club versus the Miz I know it is. It's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, that, that's that, actually that's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah and it'll be awful. Yeah, um, Sean, we're, we're just about out of time with you, man. But uh, again, thanks for joining us. And if people aren't already following you or getting the podcast, and I hit them up, where can they get it? Uh, you can get the podcast anywhere on your podcast app, Podcast Republic, iTunes, wherever you listen to them. Severe MMA podcast. Put a put a space between the severe and the MMA if you can't find it that way. We're, I think we're on episode one hundred and. 4950 coming up so it's a three year anniversary this next week I think uh, so there's that check it out there yeah. so it's, it's going by uh, Sean Sheehan BA on Twitter and Instagram and Sean Sheehan MMA on Facebook go over and give the Facebook page a like so yeah Severe MMA you can get the podcast there as well and everything my, my videos Severe Art on YouTube I put up videos now these days and doing a lot of that so yeah check them out Deadly you're a gentleman just Sean yeah thanks for having me no appreciate you doing it on short notice as well man and um, yeah look all the best continued success with the podcast rather not all the best but you're doing fucking deadly anyway for god's sake um, but yeah man we'll do it again sometime looking forward to it yeah sound loud gent thanks John see you later talk to you lads good luck good luck <sighs> that's it Merlo that's it for this week two great guests two great guests and another one in the 
books. See, yeah. last week we did uh, kind of a little bit of complications. The guests didn't come through. This week it, we double up to show you how much we love you, lads. It always happens in the world of amateur podcasts. Yeah. They have so many warm leads. They all say yes, but sometimes they just don't work out. Yeah, But we have, we have an exciting six, seven weeks ahead of us. Though. Oh, yeah, we do, man. We do. So. We've got a lot coming up, a lot, including, including... Uh, the Bray Comedy Festival. Yes. Which we're looking forward to. And there are tickets available, lads, for the entire... Well, I think one or two shows might be sold out by now, but you can check out Bray Comedy Fest. Yep. Um, our friend of the show, Adam Burke, running that. A lot of great comedians. And a big shout-out to Sean Sheen for coming on such late notice as yeah, well. Yeah, really short notice, and, and Sean being an absolute gent um, arranged it. But we couldn't... With the week that was in it, and Ronda Rousey crossing over, and Steve A. Cormier. Ron, we, how beautiful did Ronda look at the Royal Ron, Rumble? Ron, man, Ronda not only is beautiful, but she is one of the... And I, I don't care what people say about how our last two fights in the UFC went. Same. She is still one of the baddest fuckers on the planet. Yeah, she's great. I love her. I can't wait. Um, she's going to be one of the greatest women's pro wrestlers, pro wrestlers ever. Yeah, yeah. And she's going to be like... As I was saying with Sean... She's going to be like, I think, I think what Kurt Angle was like when he crossed over. That'd be incredible. Because Kurt Angle has been one, has, is the one of the greatest ever. Oh, undoubtedly. Yeah, I think Ronda has applied herself like Kurt yeah. has. And don't forget to check out Sean Sheen's severe MMA pod as well, lads. Yeah. Um, in terms of MMA in Ireland, between that and in between PT and Noel. Both of them. The lads have you covered. I'm knackered, I need to go home. Same. <laughs> I am absolutely wrecked, man. Let's go. Um, a big thanks to George Foreman as well, absolute gent. And um, big thanks to Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel, as always, www.fitzpatrickcastle.com. You can listen to us on WTS Pod on any podcast provider, iTunes, Podcast Republic, Stitcher, Podbean. Um, and also uh, at WTSPod.com you can also follow us on Twitter at WTSPod and also on Facebook Facebook.com forward slash WTSPod Ireland Good man Mero That was annoying was it? That, yeah there was a little bit of a there fluff There was a fluff a at the end A little bit of a fluff there but that's probably our best effort. It so is far. my best effort because you weren't looking at me. I, I looked away deliberately. <laughs> yeah, you gave me you gave me some hand signals there, as you said. Now you st- I I done the hotel and you were like, you stop. I've got this. And yeah. I was like, oh, because I like this week's episode. Two two great guests. Two great and, guests. Uh, I was yeah. just confident. Love it, love it, man. Um, yeah. So look, check out all the podcasts on those places that Merdo told you to check them out. Yeah. Well, until yeah. next time, I'm at Andrew Murray. I'm at Mary Mania. Clear, Clear eyes, eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Too sweet. We actually do the two sweets on. We actually do. We do. Yeah, we do. We do the two sweets. Too sweet. Good luck. <laughs>